The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. All these homilies are the same in content as those preached. They have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you wishing to construct a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlookers should laugh at him and say, This one began to build but did not have the resources to finish. Or what king marching into battle would not first sit down and decide whether, with 10,000 troops, he can successfully oppose another king advancing upon him with 20,000 troops? But if not, while he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, I just got back from a trip to Alaska last week. Mary and I and a couple other members of her family did a seven-day cruise out of Seattle. If you ever have the chance to do so, I recommend it. Alaska is a very different, wonderful, beautiful place. I found it easy to wonder at the awesome power of God present in that part of his creation. You know, one of the interesting features about Alaska is the large bear population. It is one of the few areas left where brown bears still flourish and thrive, due in no small way to the annual salmon spawning that provides a much-needed food source for the bears before winter hibernation. You can take excursions into the wild backcountry areas to get up close to the wildlife, and one such excursion was truly unique. The guide took us deep into bear country and showed us a place that is known to very few members of the outside world. In spite of the large number of YouTube videos and other documentaries that cover Alaskan wildlife in general, and the Alaskan bear population in particular, I had never heard of this place. The guide explained that it was the one place where they had discovered that the bears themselves had actually built a crude altar to God and where the bears would actually gather from time to time to participate in behavior that could only be described as a form of God worship at this altar. Now, many of you look as if you don't believe me. Well, good for you because I totally made that up. But for a point, being that no matter how much we may love animals, from our pet rabbit to the most majestic, powerful beast of the wild, unlike us, they are not created in God's image and likeness. That is a virtue that is reserved only to the human beings in God's creation. The only ones created with a soul and spirit and intellect for the purpose of being in a special relationship with God, not only in this world, but hopefully forever with him in the next. The key being that we were created by God for this purpose and that God created not only the world and all that is in it, 
but also each and every one of us in a special way, in his image and likeness, with a free will, capable of reflective thought and appreciation for creation and the Creator. It is because he is God and we are his creation that Jesus, his divine Son and revealer of truth, can tell us a message like the one we hear in today's gospel that on first hearing sounds so harsh to our ears. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Pretty strong words from someone known to preach loving your enemies. But of course, most of us by now have heard that is not literally what Jesus meant. That this is a use of hyperbole, an exaggerated statement or claim not to be taken literally, to make the point that God must come first in our lives. Not that we have to actually hate our families, but that we cannot love our family members or anything or anyone more than God. And while this interpretation is not quite as difficult to accept as hating our families, this instruction can still involve a great deal of challenge. Most of us understand the struggle we may have with family members and friends who are, for whatever reason, not believers, and, and in some cases, anti-faith or anti-God. We recognize that no matter how much we may care for them as individuals, we cannot let their position and lack of belief come between us and God. And in some cases, that may lead us to create some distance from them, even while we continue to pray for and desire their conversion. Another group of family members we may have to be cautious about. While not openly opposing religion or advocating atheism in so many words, are those that are actively involved in, condone, and in some cases advocate for activities that are seriously sinful. One example would be the politician who, while claiming to be a person of faith, actively supports abortion. We again should take whatever steps are necessary to ensure that we do not come under the influence of that sinful behavior, while of course praying and working for the person's repentance and conversion. But there are some more subtle ways putting family ahead of God can impact our faith life. The desire to obtain the approval, gratitude, or appreciation of family members or experiencing their lack of approval, gratitude, or appreciation can lead to hurtful feelings. Who among us hasn't done a good deed, given a ride, paid a bill, spent more than we could afford on a special gift, only to be disappointed by little or no recognition for our act of kindness? This lack of appreciation can feed feelings of insecurity and cause us to doubt that person's feelings for us. And once we go there, Feelings of resentment can cling to us, making it hard to forgive, leading us to sin, and impeding us from acting in love and charity. Such feelings are rooted indirectly in loving others before God, our God whose love and care for us is never in doubt, and who has directed us to act out of love for him, loaning to those who can't repay, and inviting to dinner those who would never be able to host a meal. Mother Teresa had a list of 15 ways to practice and grow in humility, and number 12 on that list was, do not seek to be admired and loved. 
This was always one I struggled with, as it pretty much seemed as though I had spent a good part of my life seeking to be admired and loved. Yet, if that is our goal for the purpose of our feeling good, then it gives power to those who would do the admiring and loving, rather than reserving that power to the three persons whose love we never need doubt, our loving Father in heaven, our loving Savior on the cross and in the Eucharist, and our loving Holy Spirit all around and hopefully within us. You know how we might shake our heads when we see kids do something stupid, dangerous, or foolish in response to a dare from one of their peers? Simply responding to the challenge put to them in front of the group to gain the group approval or respect. Allowing the opinion of the others to override their own prudent judgment. Yet when we pursue some non-God-centered worldly thing, such as an ethically questionable job that pays really well for the sake of pleasing or impressing our family members, or when we shy away from stating a hard truth regarding a family member or friend's sinful behavior to keep the peace, rather than sharing the truth in love, we do the same thing. We compromise our relationship with God for the sake of our relationship with others. When we seek approval or admiration based on the world's values, even from our closest family members and friends, at the expense of the love of God and neighbor, we are making the same poor judgment choice as the child responding to the double dog dare. Putting family above God can also influence us in another negative way in that we may find ourselves critical, judgmental, jealous, or envious of family members' success. For example, mom tells us that our sister got an A on her big college exam and our response is, well, of course she did. She has nothing to do all day but study while I'm working two jobs. To criticize them so we look better in comparison is just another way of valuing the opinion of family ahead of the opinion of God and the life of charity and love he calls us to. Jesus did not want us to hate our families, but he knows that we must put God above our families if we are to be his disciples. It was Jesus himself who, when told his family was looking for him, said, He who does the will of my father is my brother, my sister, and my mother. He knows it is only by putting God first that we are empowered to love as God loves, and so empowered, love not only our family members, but all those God puts in our lives, not according to the world's or our family's definition of love, but according to God's love, which results not in the approval of the world, but in salvation, both our salvation and hopefully the salvation of those we hold most dear. Because God is our Creator, our Lord and Savior, we can do nothing without Him and therefore must put Him first. The people of Babel, with all the resources of the world, could not build a tower without the support of God. Yet Gideon, at God's direction, with only 300 men, routed an army of 120,000. So as we reflect on the seemingly contentious words of this gospel, let us not recoil from them, but embrace them as God's counsel, so that we might conceive what the Lord intends and allow His Spirit to make our paths straight. For questions or comments on this homily, write to Deacon Joe 2017 at gmail.com.